Empower Radio presents Art as Worship with Vanessa Lowry. Welcome to Art as Worship. Each week we feature stories of artists and explore their process of creation. I'm your host, Vanessa Lowry, and I'm thankful that you're joining me. On this show, I talk with artists of various faiths, working in a wide range of mediums on the common theme of how they use inspiration and creativity as an expression of their spirituality. Learn how their art is an expression of their own connection to however they name God, Jehovah, Allah, Source, the Universe, the Great Mystery, or something else. My hope is that these stories will inspire your creative efforts and your own spiritual expression. My guest today is Kyle Young. Kyle's career has been a composite of creativity and commerce. After earning a BFA from the Lamar Dodd School of Art at the University of Georgia, she utilized her artistic training working in design and education and publishing for several years. With the addition of this business experience, she founded her own design boutique firm in 1978, growing it through the years to become one of Atlanta's top 50 ad agencies with clients in the U.S. and Canada. It was not until after the birth of her son in 1996 that she decided to return to the roots of her artistic experience and turn her attention to her personal creativity. Selling her interest in the firm she had founded, she established her marketing, consulting, writing, and coaching practices so that she could spend time with her studio work once again. Reflective of her life and career, Kyle's art is not limited to one medium. Frequently using multiple materials and methods in a single piece, she is known for her complex layering of color and texture in both two- and three-dimensional works. Kyle's work has been seen in numerous juried shows and exhibits and, in, and is in several private and corporate collections. Welcome, Kyle. Thank you, Vanessa, for having me. Well, it's just such a um, treat for me to have you on the show. And for our listeners, you know, I was actually um, right out of art school. You hired me to come work at your ad agency, <laughs> which was just such a blessing for me. You were my very first creative employee. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and it was it was fun to have such an artistic and creative boss um, for my first job right out of school and such a kind and loving woman, too. So thank you. Thank you. So I, I want to talk a little bit about your your media of art and working in mixed media. What attracted you to that? I've always been a person who has a lot of interests and a lot of things going at one time. And when I decided to go back into the studio, I made a, de- a very intentional decision not to take a drawing class or a painting class or you know a, a more form another form of um, structured training i decided to engage in a process art class and so i went into the studio with a, another gr- a group of a, about 10 women and it was all about the process and letting the materials speak to us and choose us. I'm a big Harry Potter fan, and, you know, as in Harry Potter, the wand chooses the wizard. So in this particular case, the medium chose me. Um, Some days it would be clay. Some days it would be found objects. Some days it would be paint, chalk, you name it. And some days it was all mixed together. But I found that to be... Very satisfying because I didn't want to limit myself just to one particular medium. Well, and it's it's interesting to me that because art is an expression of who we are, that that the mixed media is an expression of all the different things that you're fascinated with in life. 
It it didn't really occur to me until I was pretty far back into the process that it was such a reflection of my outward life. You know, to delve deep within and to let the art kind of take over from me really reflected what was going on in my outer life. Lots of things. Um, I had a child, um, as you mentioned, rather late in life. I was an an older first-time mother, layered onto a long career. Um, My husband had a very active career as well. We did lots of other volunteer activities and things, and so this was just one more layer (laughs) in the the seven layers of Troy. (laughs) Well, and at what point did you start thinking of yourself as an artist? Well, the first time I ever thought of myself as an artist was probably way back in third grade. And I remember, I can see it now, I have no idea whatever happened to it, but I remember a picture I did of people swimming in a swimming pool, and the teacher chose it and hung it up in the front of the room for parents' night. And that was the start of, I think, myself as an artist, um, acknowledging any creativity. My mother was an artist. You knew her. Um, she worked in a number of different media as well. She was a portrait artist and a clay sculptor as well as a painter <clears throat> and won a number of awards for her art through the years. So we always grew up in a creative environment. Uh, when I graduated from college with my degree, I taught art for a couple of years um, to high school students, which I loved. I still love working with young people, and I think I have teaching pretty deep in my bones um, because once I got into um, the more commercial side of art in advertising and marketing, I continued to teach seminars on marketing and utilizing advertising techniques and things like that. Um, Reclaiming myself as an artist after Harrison was born was a bit more of a process. And I did it in a very secretive way. I signed up for this group. I did not tell anybody I was going, except my husband, of course. Um, It was 10 o'clock in the morning, which was a real breakout for me to leave, you know, claim time out of the office to go do art. And that was the start. I went. Nobody knew me. I knew nobody else. And so I wanted to see if I could go back into my personal creativity without a deadline, without a budget, without a set of client input. So how important do you think that is to create a safe space for yourself to create art? It sounds like that's kind of what you did with not telling people what you were doing. For me, it was vital. A lot of people like to create in the open, and I I find it a place of solitude. Um, I like to go into a bit of a ritual. You know, I usually light a candle before I start working. I I kind of try to center my mind um, because I start by going within. I can't do art outwardly until I've gone within. So how does your spirituality find expression in your art? I, I have a hard time saying that my spirituality finds expression in my art because my art is my spirituality in many ways. Um, I find myself when I'm working, having been in a world of words and still in 
the consulting that I do and the writing that I do and blogging and so forth, it's all about words. And when I center myself and go in and go straight to color and material and texture, I, that is a time when I experience the truth of the expression, be still and know that I am God. So once you started re-entering this world of art and, and re-embracing your inner artist, um, how did you find that that filled a part of you that maybe had been not lacking before, or was it something that had been full with other things and then suddenly there was a need to fill it with, with the art? Well, I didn't have any extra time, that's for sure, when I first went back to the art, but I set aside a certain number of hours every week, week in and week out, when I said this would be my time to do art. And during that process, a number of things happened. My father became ill and passed away. Um, my husband went through um, a bout with cancer and recovered quite successfully. But I found that the art was really a lifeline and that it probably filled a need that I didn't really know existed. And there was um, something missing, but I wasn't aware of it until I got back into the art and realized how it allowed me to be in touch with um, things below the surface. Well, and I, you mentioned earlier about your mom being so creative, and she was, I did know her, and she was a wonderful woman, and um, it was always fun when she came into the office. She always <laughs> had such great energy and such great ideas and just sparkled whenever she came in. Um, how has growing up with a mother that was very creative affected the way that you've mothered your son and, and encouraged him in artistic expression? I think it's influenced my mothering with Harrison in a way that I have tried to create special experiences for him. When my husband and I first married, he had never met mother. She had passed away by the time I met him, and then we married. And he would hear all these stories about her and, and the things that she would do and the, the situations that we would be in and her own very creative lifestyle. And he said to me one day, he said, oh, I don't know. It's just, I don't know we'll ever be able to live up to that, you know, because you had all these amazing experiences. And the way he said it, I realized that he thought we went to Disney World all the time. And it wasn't that at all. We could be going to pick up our report cards on the last day of school, and she would say, okay, everybody get ready. I've got a surprise after report cards. And we would go to the drugstore back when, <laughs> I'll date myself, back when they had soda fountains in the drugstore, and we'd all order whatever flavor milkshake we wanted. We'd take them to the park. We'd sit on a park bench. We'd drink our milkshakes, and we would open our report cards together. <laughs> so it became a very creative ritual in our family. And that's what I've tried to do with Harrison is create moments like that that are not about things as much as they are about an expression of love and an expression of family um, and sometimes an expression of discord. You know, I've tried to teach him that it's okay to go to a piece of paper and pull out the big red magic marker and just pound on it if he wants to. 
Well, and I love that idea of rituals because I, I'm very drawn to rituals and I think that they are a very centering thing for me. So, um, you mentioned earlier about the ritual that you use before you get ready Mm -hmm. to practice your art. Um, can you expand on that a little more about how that works for you and how that helps you get connected into that, that divine flow and that creative source? I, I think it's just, um, a signal that I give myself of, okay, my studio is in my home. I have a, an area in my home that, you know, is where all of the, the art basically happens, visual art. Uh, <clears throat> and it's so easy to be pulled away by a phone ringing or, you know, laundry that needs to be done or dishes that need to be washed or a client that needs to be called. And by going into the studio, lighting the candle, and usually some kind of gentle music in the background. When Harrison was little, he called it weather channel music. (laughs) Um, Just allows me to create a space and claim it as separate and distinct and set aside, I guess, within the greater context of my life. So I will light the candle. I will turn the music on. A lot of times I'll just sit there for a few minutes because there are many, many times when I go into the studio that I really don't have um, a particular image in mind that I'm going to work with. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I have a very clear picture of what I want to try to bring to life in the art. But a lot of times I'll just sit there and meditate, listen, pray, breathe, you know, just to kind of break away from the busyness of life every day. And do you still have specific times scheduled out in your week for you to create your art and to go into your studio? I do. Um, I've continued to meet with um, an art group once a week for two hours so that I know no matter what is going on in my life, I have at least two hours a week that I devote just to that. And it there have been many times when it's literally, I think, saved my life because when uh, my husband was going through cancer treatment, which was very intense, of course, going there was a place that I could, it, it almost brings tears to my eyes to think about it, it was a place that I could break down if I needed to um, with people that I knew I was safe with and being around. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it's been an incredible gift. Well, and you mentioned about, you know, when at least when you first started re-embracing your art, that it was such a private thing and that you, <laughs> you know, didn't really even let people know. So at what point did you start being comfortable showing your art and and putting your art into shows and selling your art? I, I think that that was where being re-embracing my art initially in a group setting was very helpful because in the group that I'm was involved with and continue to be involved with, we would claim the time as sacred space. We would do our art, and then we would offer reflection on our art if we wanted to. It was not a critique group. It wasn't about criticism, but it was about seeing what revealed itself in the art. And it's my therapy. You know, it's sometimes I did a piece this last week that, 
after I looked at it, I couldn't believe what it had shown me. Um, it it was two round um, mandalas, one overlaying the other, as it turned out. One very hap- happy, busy, filled with color, <clears throat> which I thought was everything really important in my life at the time. The other very zen and stark silver and red that I realized was more of a refuge from my regular life, which is a whirlwind. <clears throat> I had no idea that that's what would show up in my art. Excuse me. Well, and I think that that's <clears throat> pretty remarkable, the things that our subconscious brings forth when we let our artist kind of play. I've learned to just get out of the way and let the art happen. Um, I think that in doing in doing that and learning that lesson, that's what led me to go back to your question. It's what led me to come out of the closet, I guess, with my art, to go more public with it. Uh, let, my husband and I were in Asheville, North Carolina, taking a weekend away, and we love it there because the culture and the food and it's just such a great town and we were in a gallery and I walked over and was looking at some of the artists um, bios and cards and everything and there was a call for entries for a show that was being mounted by the Savannah College of Art and Design called Artists Response I'm so sorry Artists Responses to 9-11 and I had done several pieces of work around that and I picked it up and looked at it, and the deadline for submission was 48 hours from the moment I was standing there. <laughs> but I just happened to have, um, this was a few years ago, obviously, when everybody was still using slides and not so much digital, I had happened to have a slide of that particular piece of work. I submitted it, and 30 days later I had a notice that it had been accepted into a juried show in Savannah. Um I was pretty amazed, to tell you the truth, but I had just followed my instinct, I guess, that had presented itself, and and that's pretty much the way I work with my art even now. If if a show, if I get a, a request for submission to a show and it, it strikes me and I feel like, oh, this is something I should do, I do it. A lot of times I'll just set it aside because what I've learned about my art is while I have been lucky enough to show in some really nice places and have people buy pieces of my work, that's really not why I do it. It's um, A lot of it's very personal, and sometimes there are pieces that I feel if I show them, oh, my God, people will actually be looking into my soul because I feel it's so self-revealing that maybe... It's not something I should put out in public. So uh, it's a, a walk a fine line with that sometimes. Well, and that was going to be my next question is when you put such personal things on the paper, is it hard for you to then turn around and sell them? Sometimes, yes. In fact, there's one piece that will, I, I even have a hard time, I, I've been asked to show it a couple of times, and I have a hard time even showing this particular piece because it's so, it was such a, they talk about having seminal works, and I guess for me this was. My mother, whom we've referenced, you know, was a very, um, she was very much a Southern lady, and she was very concerned with, you know, manners and a 
appropriateness. And when I went away to college, she gave me a paperback copy of The Rules of Etiquette by Amy Vanderbilt, because the big hardback copy, of course, was staying at home. Well, there was a period in my life when I decided that, you know what, I really didn't need that rule book anymore so much. So I tore it up, made paper mache out of it, and did an amazing, to me, an amazing bowl that's on a copper wire stand. and, And it's like I remade all the rules of my life into a new form that worked for me. And it sits on a pedestal in the corner of my dining room at home. And I can barely take it out of the house. If my house burned down, that's probably the first thing I would grab. (laughs) So, so yeah, I guess the answer to that question is sometimes it is hard. I don't, I don't want to let things go. But then something might happen, something might shift, and I'm like, oh, okay, it's time to let that go now. So you were mentioning earlier about that you're interested in a lot of different things, and I know you still run a consulting business, and you're a mother, and you're an artist, and you have a lot of different things going on, a couple of different business things going mm-hmm. on. So when, how do you decide what ideas you're going to pursue? How do your ideas come to you, and how, you de- how do you decide which ones you're going to go forward with? The older I get, the more I realize that if I stop, and clue into my own intuition, my gut feelings, whatever you want to call it. If I follow those, I never go wrong. So it's not a very scientific way to run your life or decide what business opportunities to pursue, but it seems to be working really well for me. Um, sometimes it's amazing things happen so easily. Um and then I know I'm on the right path. Well, and I was just thinking about the Godwink books when you were talking about <laughs> synchronicities earlier. But I think that that's, mm-hmm. you know, what he says in those books is that that's kind of God showing you you're on the right path. Uh, well, I, you know, I, I was married previously and divorced. And I was pretty sure I would never get married again because I had been there and done that and tried really hard. Um, and I ended up going to a party and I met this guy at the par- this party and here I am 22 years later married with a 16 year old son um, the party was actually called it was put on by a group called serendipity which I've always found to be <laughs> quite interesting um, you just don't know what life is going to hand you but the reason I went to the party was because I had made um, a very good friend a woman who was one of the hosts of the party and I'd responded to the invitation. I didn't want to let her down. And she was a good friend. But I never in a million years thought that going to that party would lead me into this wonderful part of my life. I don't know how I could how it could possibly have been any different. Well, and I do think that that's amazing that some people, you know, are are able to really plan their lives out. And I've just never been able to do that because it's always been you know, as things come and they draw me, I go. Well, you know, it's, it, it actually is pretty rare that I would quote John Lennon as, you know, a philosophical guide for my life. But he is the one who said, life's what happens while you're making other plans. And that's occurred to me quite frequently is if I stop and listen, the direction is out there, whether it's in art or life. 
it's when I get so busy and I think I have to plan every single minute that usually I find the going gets tougher and tougher. Well, and I'm also always amazed at looking back on my life that I noticed that synchronicities that I might not have even seen <laughs> then. And an example of you hiring me out of art school mm-hmm. was one of those. You know, you actually hired me a week before I graduated. Mm-hmm. And I was in Atlanta going to art school with my family in West Virginia and really wanted to stay in Atlanta, but needed to have a job to do that. So looking back now, I just think what a what a Godwink that was. Well, and, you know, I, I remember when we talked and you had some beautiful examples of your work, but I had talked to a lot of people. And, you know, here's the big reveal. The reason I hired you over everyone else was because it felt like the right thing to do. <laughs> and well, obviously it was. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> for, for all the years that I've been, a, you know, been in Atlanta and been an artist, I thank you because I, you had a big part in that. No. So, um, so how has your, your spiritual evolution affected your art? Or how has your art affair, affected your spiritual evolution? I think my art has affected my spiritual evolution by making me more open and more public in my expressions of my beliefs and my attitude and my faith. And by that, I mean, I'm, I've approached a point in my life where I'm pretty willing to say what I feel and to say what I think. Um, I have a one of the questions that you had sent me earlier to think about was, you know, how I refer to God. Um, I've developed a small ritual in the last couple of weeks. Someone sent me a link on YouTube to Bobby McFerrin's wonderful version of the 23rd Psalm. And if you haven't ever listened to it, it's well worth a listen. But he's altered the words slightly and sings it in that amazing, talented voice of his. And he refers to the Lord as my shepherd. She provides all my needs. So there's a very feminine face of God for me. Um, a lot of times I just think of God as she, because I really like that mothering image of God. Well, I think that's beautiful. That's, that is really beautiful. And I can see, um, you know, I think that that's, you know, if you look at, at, at we're all in the image of God, obviously male and female <laughs> are in the image of God. So. Yes. Um, it makes me think of the book, The Shack, where yes. the character that was portraying God was a woman, mm-hmm. which I know a lot of people had a challenge yes. with that. Yes, but, you know, and and I'm certainly no Bible scholar by any means, but I do know that there there is a story in the Bible where um, one of the main characters, whose name I cannot remember at the time, but who wants to build shelters for you know, the Lord and the prophets and trying to basically put God in a box. And what I've figured out in my life for myself is I can't put my life in a box, much less God in a box. So being open to all the expressions of God, you know, in my personal spirituality, um, I probably have incorporated a lot of the teachings of Buddhism, um, I go, I've been a lifelong Episcopalian. I like the Episcopal Church for myself because it's very open and accepting 
um, environment, I find. But I have also really found some amazing teachings in Judaism that I look to a lot. So I, I guess I'm just as in my art, <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking, just as in my art being very multimedia approached, um, my spirituality is a, a combination of a lot of things. Well, and I think, you know, all of us as, as seekers have to figure out what's the right thing for us. And it's beautiful when when people can do that with their spirituality and with their art. So how can our listeners get in touch with you and how can they see some of your beautiful artwork? Well, after many years, I do finally have an art website. It um, can be found on the web at kyleyoungartist.com. Um, the pieces that will be changing going up and coming down as they're created. Um, And I would welcome anyone who wishes to come take a look at that. I also have uh, on my consulting website, I chose to illustrate it myself. So some of my sketches are seen at EffectiveIdeas.com, too, as illustrations. So, Kyle, is there any last thing that you would like to tell our listeners about how they can embrace their own creativity as an expression of their spirituality? I think the thing that is most important to me to try to communicate to everyone I meet is that we all are creative. It may be my husband's creativity. He's an attorney and a judge and an engineer, but his creativity finds expression in the way he chooses to landscape our yard and plant trees and nurture thriving growing things Um, my son's expression right now is on the stage and participating in dramas and comedies in high school drama i think that if everyone would realize that they are an artist they are the artist of their own lives and they have creative expression whether it's the dinner that they cook or the way they fold the clothes that go in the drawer or the most amazing piece of artwork that will hang in a museum someday. We all are artists, and I wish everyone would be able to claim that within themselves. Thank you so much, and I am so grateful that you were here with me today. Thank you. It's just always wonderful to reconnect with you. Thanks. And thank you to our listeners. I welcome your suggestions or comments on this or any of our shows. You can find links to all of our shows on Empower Radio, and on our website, artasworship.net. Please come share your stories of art as worship on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash, forward slash art as worship, or suggest an artist that we should interview. Listen in next week as we talk with another artist about their creative process and how it connects with their spiritual journey. May you have an inspired and creative week. Namaste.